Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. I'd like to invite you to join me for a pilgrimage tour to France this September. It's based on my book, St. Benedict and St. Therese, The Little Rule and the Little Way. I'll be teaching about the spiritualities and the lives of these two great saints, and we'll be visiting the great monastery of Fleury, where St. Benedict's relics are venerated, and of course going to Lisieux to visit the childhood home of St. Therese, the Carmel where she was a nun, and the great basilica dedicated to her honor. But there's more than that. At Paris, we'll be visiting the Basilica of Sacré-Cœur, Rue de Bac with the Miraculous Medal, going on to Vézelay, Nevers with St. Bernadette, paris le Monial, where the devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus was given to St. Margaret Mary, and then Chartres Cathedral, Mont Saint-Michel, the Normandy beaches, and more. I think there's not only going to be time for instruction and learning, but also prayer and worship, celebrating Mass in the various locations, and also time for fellowship and a good bit of French food and wine, too. Come and join us this September. If you'd like to know more, go to catholicheritagetours.com. That's catholicheritagetours.com, or be in touch with me through my website, twightlongenecker.com. Fellowship and love. The seven habits are timeless and really are the minimum programming for an effective life based on all of these other philosophies. And he roots them in what we would call natural law. He calls them principles. There are things that you could bring from the seven habits into your family, into your personal life, your prayer life. What do you want people to say at your funeral? Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Chad. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back. It's been a little while. Yeah, this is the Catholic Dads Podcast, and it has been a while. We've been on some vacations and Easter and... Life and... Life. <laughs> yeah. All the good stuff. But uh, what's been going on in the Dodge world? Uh, last day of school today. Everybody's excited for that. Um, last day of St. Martha's for one of our kiddos. Oh, wow. Uh, we'll be making the homeschool transition next year. So oh, nice. That's pretty exciting. So we'll have three three out, and then a new one starts. So we'll have three out and two in. So. Oh, man. Yep. So that'll be fun. That's so, cool. Yep. Little one's super excited to be going to school, and she's probably going to be the first one that runs off happy to be there and not look back. You know, all the other ones, there was tears and gnashing of teeth and homesickness and the whole thing when they went off to school, but she's ready. She's got her backpack and her lunchbox and the whole thing. So mm. should be fun. Should be fun. That's going to be awesome. Looking forward to it. But then, yeah, then the summer hits in June. So we've got oldest boy is going to the national youth leadership training for scouts on Sunday. And then he gets back on Friday and then we leave for, um, somewhere that's a surprise on Saturday. Oh. We come back on Thursday, and then we're here for a week, and then the boys and I all go off to North Carolina for a summer camp. Moira goes up to the Pines uh, for Catholic summer camp, and then Aaron's home with the girls, and it's their birthday on that Monday, which I'm feeling terrible that I'm going to miss. 
So yeah, so so just not a whole lot of stuff not going so on. Not so much. Yeah. In July, July, I think our schedule may be <laughs> and opens then, up. And but... then and then you wake up and it's December. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the summer is going to be over. I mean, we're we're kind of seems like we're packing all the fun stuff in the first month, you know. So like by the time we get to August, we're like, what yeah. do we have left to do? That's funny. So that should be. How about you guys? You're uh, rested and tanned, I think. Yeah, I just got back from Florida, so it was fun. Uh, good good times with the family in Florida. Always good times in Florida. And um, I'll be going to Nigeria. Ooh, in two weeks, for a Actually, while, one or? one week. It's uh, it's uh, it's it's for work. It's for just one week. Okay. So it's it's always it seems that around May June mm-hmm. I'm traveling somewhere because yeah. last year it was uh it was Mother's Day I was in right Angola. So um, anyway, not not too much uh. Yeah, they do they do have Shine so Shine is coming up so mm-hmm. I'm going actually the week of Shine. Nice. Oh. And um. You're not going to shine. You're going to be gone. The no, week I'll be of going. Yeah, yeah, right. Correct. I'll yeah. be. I'll be gone for the week of shine, and uh, I don't know. Seems I know that there's some stuff going on. It's just my brain's not working that mm-hmm. that quickly this morning. But um, you know, going to in, jump kind of into the topic and segue into yeah. what we're going to be talking about. So a couple of weeks ago, or one of our last topics was the uh, the trust the process, and one of the things that that Jeff was bringing into the trust the process was this. Uh, the seven habits of highly effective people, and the conversations leading up to that were like for for me because at the time I hadn't read it or listened to it. I was like, you know, but what does that look like? What does that look like for a Catholic dad? You know, because uh-huh. I'm just like I wasn't sold at all right. on it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so you know, explain it to me. So you would explain it, and so like you you talked about this one, the sharpen the saw, about how we could uh, continually improve and and whatnot, and then so we. We kind of like worked it into the other topic, but I was convinced enough to listen to the book mm-hmm. and it was just like, wow, this is really good. So the topic for today is the seven habits of highly effective people. Nice. And uh, I'll probably call it like highly effective Catholics or some, <laughs> something corny like yeah, that. Yeah, right. But uh, Jeff is a um, facilitator at his work for uh, a study group mm-hmm. on the seven habits. So he's going to lead us through the seven habits, and uh, we're all going to be become more highly effective Catholics. Right. Um, yeah, so I, you know, background, I love the book. Um, Franklin Covey is the organization that um, Stephen Covey started and, and merged with, I think, Franklin, which was a publishing company, to do his, like, uh, time planners and stuff like that. But they're, they've got tons of resources online. Um, it's funny you said facilitator. I mean, they have that. Like, that's a whole thing for them, right? Oh, yeah. they, they have, they'll do, uh, you know, team building and all that kind of stuff. They're that, you know, sort of business consultant kind of business model too. But, um, so background. So Seven Habits was published originally in 1989. Um, so it goes way back. Um, one of the things that I really like about it from the Catholic perspective is that his argument or his thesis is that the seven habits are timeless and, and really are the minimum, uh, sort of programming for an effective life based on all of these other philosophies and thoughts and, and management ideas and leadership ideas and, and faith ideas and cultural ideas. Um, and he roots them with that argument. He roots them in what we would call natural law. Um, he calls them principles. Um, and one of the examples he uses is, um, you know, the like a, a gang would have values. Correct. You know? So a, a, yeah. a, a pirate, you know, a pirate ship has values, right? Um, but they don't live by what he calls first principles, which we would call like maybe natural laws, right? Which is at the end of the day, 
if you the the natural consequences and even the the direct consequence I forget what he calls it natural and direct or something like that of being a thief is always negative, right? And so in Catholic theology, you know, we would have morality, we have you know right choices, we want to you know live without sin. Um, what he's saying is basically like if you align your life to these first principles, then um, you know those you you will have positive natural consequences, right? There are positive right, yeah. there's positive consequences to being a good person. There are always negative consequences to not, regardless of what your values are. Um, so that it, it's very much rooted in in, in, in morality. Uh, Stephen Covey is, is LDS, right? He comes out of Utah. And he had a huge family. I didn't he even had know like that. nine kids. Yeah. Um, he actually, I think he taught at the University of of Utah. I'm probably wrong on that, but. Um, you know, and many other things. Somebody will fact check this. <laughs> but he's definitely, he's yeah. definitely uh, comes out of Utah. Um, so that, that's where it's grounded in, in this morality and this faith. And, and really, you know, the seven habits, we'll get into the details. This might have to be a two-parter. But um, the, you know, really there's a, an argument that he makes at the end of the 25th anniversary book where people always ask him, you know, is, do you need another habit? Do you need this? Do you need that? He actually wrote a book called The Eighth Habit, which I don't, wasn't super memorable. Um, but he makes the argument that really no. He needed no money. Well, yeah, and it was it was a um, he wrote it as like a response to the modern world kind of thing, and I don't even remember the. I mean, really, it wasn't wasn't super memorable, but um, it's been a while since I read it too. But the the first three habits, right? The the first one is be proactive. The second one is begin with the end in mind, and then the third one is put first things first. And and those are all private. He calls them private victories, right? So yeah. you start your habits internally. Internal habits grow into public habits. And so the public habits are the the four, five, and six, and then habit seven is sharpen the saw, which is self improvement, uh, physical, emotional, social, uh, spiritual, and mental, right? And so even in those, he argues like every self help improvement idea or mindset really has those four categories. So rather than making all these things complicated, you know, his research and his life was to just dilute all of these down to the core basis of these things. And it was interesting. I went to a, a leadership thing at work um, several weeks ago now. Have, having been in the middle of the, the study group and the book club and stuff, and so much of the you know modern leadership literature and modern management literature and so much of even our our vocabulary in terms of that all started with Stephen Covey. Right. All of it did. Yeah, um, I, I know that I had gone to um, several leadership classes, you know, before, you know, even years before, but not ever having read the book mm-hmm. or listened to the book. Yep. You know, but now that I listen to the book, I'm like, oh yeah, I, that was that exact phrase. That's the exact, print, you know, concept or whatever. Yep. They're teaching that in these these classes. And I, I think sometimes we don't even realize, or you know, I wouldn't ever say that the author is like stealing or anything, right? We just don't realize it because either there's two things: either it's just become so um, a part of our our management speak culture that we don't even realize we're doing. It's like saying Kleenex, right? Um, yeah. Or or Xerox or Xerox, right? <laughs> or the the fact that the habits are so timeless means that somebody will stumble upon this incredible idea that you can control your own emotions and you can control your response to stimulus and, and that's how you can be the most effective at work. Well, that's timeless, right? Like it, when you give someone the power to say you have control over your own reactions, it's hard, it's an ideal, but you have that control, right? In terms of the Catholic world, we would say you have control over your own behavior. You have control over you know, your sin, your behavior that causes sin. You have control over that, right? We are not you know, a, a drift in the world of, of behavior and we just go with whatever feels good in, in terms of the Catholic life. We have a, a moral cord and a foundation and, and we have the choice 
before we we respond to a stimulus, whatever yeah, the stimulus it is, right? Yeah, it was it's the time the time that we have the space between mm-hmm. your your stimulus and response. Yep. Yeah. So so Jeff had um had brought up on a you know, one of the previous so I'm I'm getting a theme here. Like all of Jeff's topics are really good. <laughs> they they really um spur at least me to do some things. So one of his was the um the uh, the book of life. So I started my book of life and then while we were while I was listening to the seven habits, he made a comment about uh, uh, the the mission statement, mm-hmm. and then so and he said the mission statement is also good for you know not only for work and like for for your personal life, but it could work for um, your team at work. It could also work for your family. It's mm-hmm. like you know I really encourage you to make a family mission statement. So I took that and applied it, and that's where I think that this topic would be good to. To use it, the Catholic Dads podcast yeah. because there are things that you could bring from the seven habits into your family, into your personal life, your prayer life, um, but also into the family. So um, maybe what we could do today, and yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a meaty topic, but yep. maybe what we could do today is like just go over like this the mm-hmm. the habits one by one, sure, and just have like a, a real quick like what it is. And then how you could apply it to the faith life. Sure. So, um, again, yeah. so you just mentioned you know, that the, the, the first three are like the private victories. So yep. those really can can be you know applicable to the, the faith life. So throw us out number one. The, yeah. The uh, so they they the all first work. Habit. They all work in in concert together. And Stephen Covey makes this argument too. The first three habits. The first one is be proactive which proactive is a word that's just in our vocabulary now. And I don't know if it started with him or not, but be proactive means that, you know, you in the, there's a couple different ways to go about that. The the primary one though, is this idea that you have a gap between stimulus and your response. So as a Catholic dad, your kid drives you crazy. You don't have to fall back into previous habits, right? Um, you know, the extreme example there would be, you know, alcoholism or, you know, abuse or something like that. We have the choice, right? And you can see all of, the people throughout history that have come from terrible circumstances that have made choices through their lives and have been heroes, you know, in the faith or in the culture have done amazing things. And so the idea of be proactive, and that's why it's the first habit, right? Is you have control over your response. You also have control over your emotions. And so that's a really hard thing to do. Um, but we don't let people, uh, impact our emotions. We have a control over that because we're human, right? We're the only we're the only creatures God has created that has that power, right? We have the ability to reflect on our own thoughts. Yeah. No other creature can do that. God has given us that gift. So that's the first one. And there's also an idea called the circle of influence and the circle of concern. The the really effective people work within their circle of influence, and if they do that, their influence grows. So. You know, the one I always use is like global warming. Uh, okay, seriously, there's not a lot that we can do about it, even if it's real, right? I'm not going to stop driving my car. <laughs> so that's in my circle of concern, barely, right? Because I'm not super concerned about it. But as an analogy, it works. Yeah. So, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. So you can spend your entire life worrying about this phantom that may or may not ever happen, and you waste all the opportunities to be a good dad, a good worker, a good student, whatever, right? Um, your circle of influence is the things you can't control. So that's the idea of, of proactivity is to, to recognize the things that you can influence and go after those, put all your energy into those, but then don't, you know, waste too much time on the circle of concern, right? So that's, that's habit one. Habit two. Well, real quick, um, let's, yeah. not, let's not move off of habit one yet. So be proactive. So you mentioned one of the issues that you could do or one of the ways that you could um, 
apply that to your life is how you maybe react to to your children. Mm-hmm. But also I think it's it's a way of of saying like I can't remember how he phrased it, but it was like you're in control of your like you're in control of of what happens to you. Mm-hmm. So like in other words like you're not you don't give the power right of how you know, you're just to say like your day is going to go. Exactly. You're, you're not going to give the power how your day is going to go to your, uh, to your coworker yeah. or to that, that person who comes across in it with a negative attitude or, or to your, even, I mean, as bad as it might sound, even to your spouse or your children, right. you're not going to give the power to them, to anybody else to control your life mm-hmm. of how you're going to, you know, react. So it's like, so for me, the habit one was very telling in saying, Okay, if you have a, a situation that you um, that you are that you you find yourself in, and you're feeling like this, um, and maybe it's the wrong way to say it, but like the victim mentality, right? You know, exactly. it's like, oh, well, it, goes, it was me. It goes directly against the victim mentality. You know, this is you know, I can't walk. Well, mm-hmm. What can I do? You know, mm-hmm. I, I've got this. This is going on, and I can't do anything. Well, mm-hmm. you do. You do have the power. So don't like. That was really the key takeaway from yeah, from the exactly. first habit to me was was that. And he also mentioned something. It was about, um, and I'll I'll probably say it wrong, but it was character versus. So there's there's character there's the character ethic and the personality ethic. Yes. Yep. Yes. And that's so a, tell, I'll tell you a little bit about that, and then we'll move to the second. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, on the idea of not letting people have the power of influence. One of the things he says is, is a proactive person carries their weather with them. Yeah, right? that's so you're yeah. not infect. You know, you yeah. walk out and go, oh man, it's raining today. Oh, what a terrible day. No, I carry my own weather with me, right? I can yeah. be sunny if I want to be sunny, right? Yeah. Um, the the personality ethic versus the character ethic. Um, his book was written as a response to what he saw as the personality ethic, which was like the, the management self-help kind of thing in the eighties was all about like technique, like five ways to, you know, get your spouse to love you and six ways to make your kids happy. And, um, yeah. you know, he does, he takes a couple jabs at, um, the, uh, was it Dale Carnegie's you know, like win friends and influence people book, which I've also read. Yeah. Um, which is really good by the way. It, it is, um, <laughs> from his, from his lens, he sees that as like technique rather than, uh, principles. So even though he has like habit six is seek first to understand and Dale Carnegie would say, Hey, if you want to connect with somebody, let them do the talking. Which mm-hmm. is just you know that's obvious, right? Everybody wants to talk about themselves. Covey would would see that as not coming from a principle focused place, but more of a like a manipulation kind of idea. So that's really the personality ethic, and and really where we see it today is in like the Facebook, Instagram, social media stuff, right? Because everybody is just the screen in the face. You don't yeah. see anything else about them. So the personality ethic is all of Hollywood. It's all of our politics. All of our politics. Um, it's all about the personality. Right, it's like who is this person? Yeah. What do they look like, and what are they wearing, and how do they act, and what do they behave? We're not worried about their character. Right? Yeah. It's like what's at the core of that person. And the seven habits are all about generating that that true, you know, proactive spiritual character that shines through no matter yeah. everywhere else. There's a, a quote in the book that I love, which is um, he actually pulls it from Emerson, who I also love, um, which is you know how what you are speaks so loudly I can barely hear what you say. Yeah. Right. And it and it goes to say that whenever you're in a marriage, so like that that personality mm-hmm. that might get you like in the door to like meet your spouse, that right, might get exactly. you in the door to like, you know, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a witty person, mm-hmm. you know, I like them and 
and I want to hang out with them. But the character is really what's going to, you know, solidify your. Yeah, that's an you awesome know, way to look at it. Your marriage, I've never, I've never know, looked at it that way, but that's awesome. That's a so, great way to describe it. Awesome. Okay, so habit two. Habit two. So, what do you want people to say at your funeral, Chad? Yeah. Oh gosh, wasn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah, I love the. Um, I'm not gonna say because I, I I haven't I didn't you know I'm driving and he's like I want you to get in this space where mm-hmm. you're really quiet and close your and eyes. Think about this. So I couldn't really do the exercise as he put it, but. But it's basically, you know, you've got groups of people from your work, from your family, from your church, you know, you know, all of these folks that um, that you have impacted. And what would you like for them to say at your funeral um, of this person? And, and then it's basically, OK, now go be that person. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's so good. It's Begin amazing. with the end in mind. Right. Begin with the end in mind. It's a super powerful way to look at it. So, you know, how we're kind of building blocks. Right. The first thing is you have control. You have control of your life. You have control of who you are. You have control of your character. You have control. The second thing is, who do you want to be, right? Yeah. So who? what do you want people to say at your retirement party? What do you want your kids to say about you when you're gone? What do you want you know, your spouse to say about you? And, and if your life right now today is not in alignment with what you would want, you have the power to change it today. That's yeah. habit one. Habit two says figure out where you want to be. Right. Yeah. Um, super powerful habit. That's where your mission statement and your value statement, those sort of things comes out of chapter two, because That's what you right, do yeah. is you write down, you know, who you want to be, right? This is, this is, so I should phrase that who you want to be, but who also who you are and more importantly, it's who you are. So who you want to be and who you are should be the same. Right. Yeah. And so when you do your mission statement, it's supposed to kind of align those two ideas. And then your mission statement allows you to be the proactive person and say, no, to the things that aren't on that list, which is then going to be habit three, right? Yeah. Um, but you have to know what that foundation is first before you can decide what you're going to do. Um, and so to that point, right, like, you know, I want to be somebody that's recognized as, you know, a stable, positive, um, you know, very consistent, very uh, respectful kind of person. Well, that's all habit number one. I have to make those decisions as a proactive person to be that way. So habit two is really powerful. Um, you know, just as a, a sidebar, I actually taught this to the Boy Scouts as well <laughs> two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of 13 to 16 year old boys were engaged from six o'clock PM to one in the morning teaching this stuff. Oh, so wow. it's not only is it timeless, but it's ageless and they all get it right. Yeah. So when I, when I did have it too, I said, look guys, you know, you're all a bunch of young, you're, you know, you're young men. This is the time in your life that, you know, maybe you don't give too much thought to this. Um, but this is habit two, and and I gave them a like a kind of a worksheet for a mission statement, and I thought, yeah, okay, these boys are not gonna it's touchy feely stuff, right? I had to like shut them down and say, okay, we have to guys, we have to move on, you know, we're gonna run out of time because it was like once they started working on their mission statements and once they started really reflecting on who they were, that it got dead quiet. Like I, yeah, I was like looking was... at the I was looking at the other leaders like. Very cool. Are they seriously all like just writing, (laughs) right? For like 20 minutes, these guys were just... Yeah. Um, So it is. It's super powerful. And the fact that, again, from a, you know, try to give a a faith-based example for each habit, right? So habit one says you're in control of your life and you can align it to God, even if you have a compulsion to sin, even if you have a family, right? You can break that, right? Habit two says... As a Catholic, we all know where we want to go, which is heaven. So, yeah. you know, are you living that life? Are you living in alignment with your kids? You know, beginning with the end in mind for a person of faith has, you know, a, a bit more richness than someone that might be a secular or whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, that's where we want to go. So that's habit two. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on that before we move well, on? Well, yeah. So I was just wanting to say that that's where I did bring out the, um, because yeah. he, that's where he does talk about the mission statement. And it was very interesting. 
as we sat down at the dinner table, that was one of our conversations nice. for dinner. I was I explained what we were we had just covered, or what we had just, I had just listened to on the uh, the seven habits, and so I got a notebook out and I said and I just went around the table and you know for the younger ones it was just like what do you like mm-hmm. you know and it was cool to like they you know of course like you know Quinn was I like hunting for bugs yeah. I like you know. <laughs> You know, I like eating Taco Bell and, you know, stuff like that, you know. Yep. So, But it was funny because as we went around, you would see these themes kind of come out. And it was like they didn't really understand, you know, ultimately what we were going to do with this. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, we're going to talk about, like, these are the things that, that our family enjoys. Yep. These are the things that our family values. And the, and whenever you, whenever we're all done, which we're not done with it yet, but... um Whenever we're all done, we're going to craft this into this mission statement. And the mission statement is going to basically define our family. And the way that Covey puts it in the book was that if, you know, if you know your, of, of, you know, this mission statement is like who I am and mm-hmm. what I stand for, right? So if you've got a, a mission statement that, that is in black and white that says, this is who I am and what I stand for, and there's a situation that arises where two seemingly good options come up mm-hmm. and you need to make a hard decision you make sure, you know, well, which one is aligned with, you know, is there, are they both aligned with your mission statement or is one more aligned to your mission statement than the other? Right. And then it becomes an easy answer. It's like, okay, well, I go to this one because it's more aligned with who, of what my family mission statement is or with Mm -hmm. my personal, personal mission statement is. So it was neat though because some themes started coming out. So themes for us is like food. (laughs) We love food. And it's funny because as we talked about it, we talked about it uh, yesterday we do so much as a family around a dinner table. Right. We really do. And that's one of the things that I'm very, I'm proud of personally, because, you know, grow, growing up, we always, at my mom and dad's, we always had dinner at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And um, when we were first married, um, before, really before kids, and then even after, you know, when Evan was, was first born, it wasn't anything for us to be eating dinner, you know, in front of the TV, at right. the coffee table and, and I don't know when we made the transition, but, you know, we eventually were like, no, let's, let's eat dinner That's around great. the dinner table. And so yep. a lot of the things that we do, it's all around the dinner table. We have dinner table conversations mm-hmm. that's, you know, who's the best Avenger? Is it DC right. or is Marvel or is Star Wars versus, you know, whatever. And uh, great conversations happen around the dinner table. That's so awesome. it was funny that even though they listed it as food, you know, I'm like, well, it's not really food. No. You know, I mean, when you it's think about it, the, it's yeah. what happens around the dinner table. So that was uh, that was one in like outdoors and obviously like mm-hmm. friends and family and stuff like that. So um, I encourage everybody out there listening to um, make a family mission statement, mm-hmm. you know, get engagement. And it's a great conversation piece. You know, if you if you're sometimes there's people I know that sometimes I think this way, it's like, gosh, you know, what do you, what do you talk about? What, what's something that we could really right. engage in? This is a great thing to engage in conversation around the dinner table. Yeah. And so. there, there's lots of, um, uh, tools and things out online as well. You know, yeah. So I found, I mean, it took me 20 minutes and I found a great, very, you know, laid out worksheet that kind of gave you a, a draft at the end. You had a draft that was kind of like an ad libs kind of thing, but at oh, least, yeah. you know, it, it gets you started and then you can build from there. The way that you did it is fantastic. Yeah. Like, let's just talk about what we like and then yeah. see what themes come out. So, yeah, yeah so that was great. awesome. Okay, so third habit. So third habit um, the is put first things first. So 
once you have the, you know, once you have the mindset of I have control of my life, I'm not a victim, I will not be blown by the winds, but I will set my own course. Um, then deciding what that course is, is how yeah. to, right? Where am I going? Where's my destination? And you trim the sails and, and you set the course for that. Um, habit three then is what you were talking about, which is putting first things first. So once you've got that established, then you, then you're able to make the choices of life that are what define how we end up and where we go. Right. So putting first things first is saying, you know what, gosh, you know, guys, I'm not going to be able to go out tonight because we've got this family thing that's more important or, um, you know, and just like you were saying, any big decision is, is alignment with, you know, natural law, which is what yeah, we yeah, say yeah. as Catholics. And then yes. of course the, the family mission statement, who do we want to be as a family? What do we want to spend our money on? What do we want to spend our time on? Um, you know, what do we want to consume? What do we want to, uh, you know, do together? And, and, you know, for example, the putting first things first is like eating around the dinner table means that there's an opportunity cost to that, which is other stuff, right? And, yeah. and for your family, and I would say probably for most families, the opportunity cost is, is much lower than having a, a family meal together all sitting around and talking and having a good time, right? Yeah. Um, but that's really where that goes to. And then, um, for, so there's that is the, the kind of the foundation of that habit. That habit in, in actuality or in practice is going to be your time management habit. So first things first means at the start of your week, you plan the week. You don't plan by day. You plan the week. So that gives you enough flexibility to get the things done that you need to do. But you look at your roles. So husband, father, yeah. employee, roles and coach, goals. You know, and then what would your goals be for the week? And so rather than doing kind of like a checklist, this allows the flexibility to say, okay, by the end of the week, you know, for me is a, a whatever role you want to put it in, I need to be physically fit and keep myself in good shape. So my goal is to work out three times. Yeah. So three times throughout the course of the week, I can move that around, right? Monday, Tuesday, get them in. Wednesday goes crazy. Thursday goes crazy. Well, I'll make sure that I work out Friday so I get my goals in. Yeah. Rather than saying, you know, I'm working out Monday, Thursday, Friday, and then work thing comes up Thursday, and then I feel like my my schedule is out of control and it doesn't belong to me, right? Yeah. You get that mindset. So habit three is all about personal time management. Um, that's the Franklin Covey organization has planners and day planners and all of these things. I'm, it's on my list to buy them. I'm not being proactive about it, uh, but go in and, and do that as a practice. And it's, um, it, in, it's all about the other, there's a great video. The art of manliness is a great Catholic dad's, uh, YouTube channel, podcast website. He's fantastic. Um, very much in alignment with a, a good Catholic dad. He's got a YouTube video called Big Rocks, which is not a new thing, right? But he does a really good job of time management is, you know, putting the big rocks first, which is what that habit is about. So the big rocks yeah. are your your faith, right? Carve out time to pray before you do anything else. Working out, you know, health, fitness, you know, work, of course, you know, the things that are big, the big projects, not the day-to-day -day emails, not the mm -hmm. little phone calls, not the, you know, checking my, you know, all of our companies have social feeds now, which are like, great, you know, you've got Yammer and YouTube and, you know, Facebook and all these things now for the office. It's, you know, so there's all this like noise. This is all about just doing the, the first things first. And if you, if you call those big rocks, then you put those in the container first, which is your time, yeah. you can fill that container in with the littler rocks a lot easier. If yeah. you start with the little rocks where like you wake up in the morning and you get on Facebook, which I know you're not anymore, which I think is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you get on Facebook and, and, or you watch YouTube videos for 30 minutes while you're making coffee. Well, all of a sudden now you've just wasted 30 minutes out of your day. Yeah. You've already kind of started off on a bad foot because you're probably going to watch something or see something that might be like set the course of the day. Right. And so you're already filling that time with sand. And then yeah. when you get to the work and you want to put the big rocks in, they don't fit. And you're yeah. like, Oh, I never have time to work out. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you had t plenty of time to watch YouTube videos for eight hours this week, right? Right. 
that's that's what habit three is all about. Yeah, and also I think it's that that's where they have the habit of um, important, not important, urgent, not mm-hmm. urgent. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that where the matrix is? That's where the matrix so, is. Yeah. Um, Super so super powerful. What I what I really you know so. If you're not familiar with the matrix, it's basically, uh, you know, just a, a box that's divided in a square that's divided into four um, other squares. Right. And at the top left, you have uh, urgent. Mm-hmm. And then at the top right is not urgent. And then the, at the, on the other side, on the on the, the left side, the way that I'm envisioning it. Uh, at the top is important, and mm-hmm. at the bottom is not important. Yep. So quadrant one, which is the upper uh, left quadrant, is urgent and important. Quadrant right. two is um, important. Wait, but not urgent. Important but not urgent. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Quadrant three is urgent. Not important. Not important. And then quadrant four is not urgent, not important. Right. And the way that he puts it, and, and it's, it's hard to talk about it, and this will be one of those things that I'll say I'll post something in the show notes, right. but I probably won't. But <laughs> um, it's, you know, quadrant one is where we spend a lot of our time. Those are the emergencies. Those are the things that have to happen like right now. Got to, got to attend to it. Quadrant two are the activities that we should be striving to build because mm-hmm. they're, they're very important, but they're just not urgent. And that's yep. what we were saying that your health is in quadrant two mm-hmm. because it's, it's, you know, most of us don't have in a, a, a very, you know, um, that urgent feel to, to just maintain our health, right. right. Unless you're like in the hospital and, you know, obviously you're, you're that now moves to quadrant one you exactly. know, to, to get your health back. Yep. But if you're not in the hospital, if you're not in ICU, you know, your health is basically in quadrant two mm-hmm. and probably everything that we need as a, as a Catholic dad lies in quadrant two, right. our family relationships, the relationship with our spouse, the relationships with our children, uh, our faith, our faith life, our faith, you know, practices and whatnot, all that's going to be in quadrant two because it's something that's very important, but mm-hmm. it's not so pressing right now that, you know, if I don't do something, the world's going to fall apart. Exactly. Quadrant three is, uh, I like the way he calls it, those are the distractions in life. Yep. You know, somebody comes to you into your office, you already have something going on, and they're sitting down right across from you, and they're like, they're demanding your time. That's yep. a distraction. It's yep. You know, um, lack of planning on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on my part. Yep. You know, I love that that phrase. And then quadrant four is basically escape. And mm-hmm. I love the way he put that. It's like these are the things that that aren't urgent, they're not important, and we try to escape to them. And I never thought about it until mm-hmm. after listening to it. And then I sent you that graphic. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I live in quadrant one. Mm-hmm. I really do. It's like everything that I do is in quadrant one. Everything's emergency. It's just. It's, I don't know what to do um, with myself if I'm not dealing with a quadrant one activity. Right. Yep. So when those quadrant one activities are done, I flee to quadrant four. Right. And I'm like, oh, let me just clean up my inbox. Yep. Let me just make sure that there's no unread emails, you know, and it's just like, why are yep. you doing that? Yep. That is a waste of time. It's not urgent. It's not important. And you just, you know, you wasted it. So whenever I, you know, from the, from the perspective of, um, just how is this seven habits have impacted my life is the roles and goals thing. Uh-huh. When you list down your roles and goals, so in, and it's not just work, but it also has family yeah. things. Right. So, cause part of my role as a, as a dad, as a father, as a husband, um, you know, once you've, once you've written those down and you know that, okay, these are the things I want to accomplish this week. And then once you knock one of them down, mm-hmm. you know, 
I really want to get back to quadrant four and do some stuff that doesn't mean anything. Right. But um, I've already I've already committed that, hey, this is what my goals for the week look like. Yep. And, um, you know, as a Catholic dad, that could be, you know, going to mass. That could be going to confession, going to adoration, prayer, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you know, whatever, you know. So these things are very applicable, I think, to your to your faith life, and it's it's um, it's been a big help to me yeah. for sure. So I think probably up against the clock on just the first three, so we'll have to yeah, do the next so. one. But just as a um, a way to tie these three together, I think your the quadrants was a great way to maybe end the thought. So as a Catholic dad, right, we've got you know think about this matrix in your daily life. Um, the the important, not urgent is exactly your, that was a great point, right? That's where all of our Catholic dad activities we want to be. So you can now see how these, there's seven habits, but they're completely holistic, right? Yeah. So habit one is a Catholic dad says, I'm giving you back the power to live in quadrant two. You don't have to be a crisis manager. Yes. You don't have to be blown by the winds of your life or your family or where you came from or what your habits are. You know, you don't have to be controlled by any of those. You can look at your values, which is habit two, and say, I am a Catholic dad. This is how I want my kids to be. This is how I want my life to be. This is the, the direction I want to go. You can, you know, do the time management, put in your roles and goals, really have a direction and, and recognize then when you get to the quadrants where you're at on a daily basis and free up that time that you have. Because, you know, honestly, we all have the time to do this, right? There's a limited amount of time during the day. But if you're not aligned, if you haven't even thought about you know, well, what are my roles and goals and what do I really want to accomplish this week? Then by the end of the week, you're going to feel like you didn't accomplish anything because you're yes. going to be like, what did I do? Right. Well, it was just because we were reacting through the entire time. We were reacting yes. to, you know, our family and our work. And you, you know, you get to the end of the week and go, man, I didn't even pray this week. I didn't do whatever I wanted to do. I didn't work out at all this week. You know, I worked, I worked every day through lunch. Habit two and habit one gives you the power to say, you know what? I'm not working through lunch. It's a higher value to me to go work out. Yes than to yeah. accomplish what I need to do. And, or to go to adoration or whatever it right, is. Right, or whatever it is, right? I'm going to go to adoration on every Wednesday, and I'm going to make that, I'm going to put it in my calendar, and I'm going to go, and that's just going to be what I do. And if I have a deadline at work that needs to be done at 2 o'clock on a Wednesday, and I know I'm going to adoration on Wednesday, that means that I'm going to then be doing quadrant 2 activity, which is I'm doing it important and not urgent on Monday or Tuesday, yes. which helps you plan ahead, right? Because everything goes from quadrant 2 to quadrant 1. Yes. So your health is the easy one, right? If you don't take care of your health in quadrant 2, it'll become urgent. Right? Yes. At some point in yeah. our lives, it'll be yes. urgent, right? Um, work is the same way. If you don't take care of the non-important or the, the important non-urgent things in quadrant two during work, they eventually become a crisis. Yes. Right? So, you know, you, you watching people that are super effective and super like, man, how did he get so much done? Well, it's because we're getting the right things done. Yeah. Right. And, and filling in our bucket with the important things first. And people would recognize, well, you know, he got all, all this important stuff done this week. That's amazing. Right. All I did was check emails all day. Yes. And that's where that whole thing comes from. So it's very holistic. It's a, a very powerful way of, of managing your personal life, which is why they're the private victories. Yes. Um, and when you get there, then you can start. It also improves your character. Then you can start branching out into the public victories, which are the next habits in yeah. the next podcast. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about it on the next podcast. Yeah. And I guess my my parting thought is that the um, that all of this really, for me, it started at Lent with the, the giving up of social media, mm-hmm. which has continued. And I think that, um, you, you mentioned it or you talked about it perfectly when you don't fill your time and start, 
you know, with this, um, this, this sucking of, of the, of everything that you have, it just sucks you in, right? You yep. spend hours scrolling social media. Right. When you don't do that, whenever you don't spend hours or even carve out an hour to, uh, to devote to your email inbox, you know, like, so some of the most effective time that I've had, um, since reading the seven habits has been when it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to start my day, which is whenever you first get to work, that is when you're, at least for me, that's when I'm most kind of like, you know, my, I'm well rested Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm just thinking, so don't waste that time checking emails. Right. And this is, you know, I know the emails can be important and the things that are, they're going to, that are going to come across are going to be, you know, some are going to be very Mm -hmm. important. But um, when you sit down and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I want to accomplish this thing before I go to emails. Right. You know, so you sit down and maybe that means you work for an hour, hour and a half at one task to do this one thing that you have a goal to do before you open up emails. Yep. Well, once you've done that, okay, now I'm going to go to emails. I mean, what's one more hour? Right. If it was really that important, they're going to call you. They're going to walk down to your office. They're going to look at you. So like same thing with, with the family stuff. If, if you know that I want to accomplish this one thing, be it, I'm going to play with my kids today. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, is, is, you know, I know that people get, get busy Mm -hmm. and that sounds kind of makes sound bad to say, but my kids want me to play my kids. We have what we call castle game, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can either scroll Facebook, right. You know, when I get home, cause I'm tired, I've been at work all day. Right. Um, or even, or even run, you know, I can, I'll, I'll go for a run. I want to go work out. Right. I could either do that or I could play with my kids. It's like, which one, which one aligns better with your, that's right. And then to me, it's like, when I think about how people want to, you know, how I want to be remembered in my funeral, mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to be like, well, you know, I wish he would have played with me, but he was either working or he was working out or he was running right. or, you know, scrolling Facebook and he didn't have time to play castle game. Right. right exactly. <laughs> I mean, yep. it might sound silly, but I mean, no, that's, 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 that's honestly, I've, I've had those things come up to me where it was like, you know, I'm, I find myself doing something mm-hmm. that I, I want to be doing or preparing to do something that I want to do, like such as go work out or something. And one of my kids will say, hey, dad, you want to build this puzzle with me? Uh-huh. Do, do you want to play a castle game? And, and that whole thing where it's like between the stimulus and response, you have right. a space to make your decision. Yep. And it's like you just think about that and you're like, yeah, I want to play with you. Yep. Exactly. And it's, it's really good. Great brother. Topic, man. Yeah. Amazing. Very powerful stuff. I recommend every Catholic dad to read the book. Absolutely. Well, thanks everybody for joining us and join us uh, the next time. Hopefully it won't be too much longer before we release <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> the follow up to this, the, uh, the, the public victories and the sharpen the saw, but uh, good topic. All right. St. Joseph pray for us.
the funny thing was on the the back of the envy it had uh the Jesus fish. Uh-huh. It had um it had nine. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ooh, <laughs> before we even open up the door. Right, yeah. Nine Jesus some, fish on there. There's gonna be some gummy bears in this place. Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tours Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.